welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. As always, I am Mike Chisholm. As always, I am excited to be here and to talk about what's going on in the world of, of men and mental health and uh, what my wife's app, my wife and her team, they're building He Changed It, the app. It's going great. Lots of good stuff going on. If you haven't downloaded it yet, what the heck are you waiting for? Go to the Apple Store, go to the Google Store, type in He Changed It, find the He app, download it to your device. And uh, we are happy to have you there. More the merrier. And there's a lot more people coming on board this thing the last little while. We're watching it. It's so fun to watch this thing uh, go from nothing to something and uh, to evolve into something special, which is what's going to happen. Um, today's uh, podcast is a different one. It's one where I'm going to introduce the guest. And then the guest has said that they want to interview me, uh, which I'm extremely excited about. Uh, mostly because I'm excited about who the guest is. A couple of years ago, um, 2016 to be exact, one of the local communities that we had um, had a, a, a campaign to get the NHL to look at our community and uh, bring an event to our community called Hockeyville. And when I, the community that I'm talking about, I know this podcast goes to a lot of countries. We're in the Okanagan Valley in Kelowna uh, is where I live, but there's cities all around us in this beautiful, beautiful valley. One of the most beautiful places in the world to live. Uh, phenomenal British Columbia, uh, beautiful British Columbia, as they like to say. And um, having Hockeyville come here was a big deal because there was going to be uh, an NHL game, an exhibition game between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, I'm a gigantic Kings fan. And, um, at that point, uh, I met a lot of people who were trying to make that happen and put it together and get the momentum happening. So the NHL would choose our community. And then when it did, there was a whole bunch of organization that needed to happen, um, because it was a big deal. And, and, and there was lots of stuff with minor hockey and all these sorts of things. At that point, I encountered a woman named Angie Clowry. Um, and since then our paths have sort of crossed through community stuff a few times, but at the end of the day, I will tell you the impression that I had of Angie Clowry um, uh, during that time. And, and since then, I've watched her get involved with the homeless, uh, with the epidemics when it comes to, uh, to homelessness, but also um, to drugs. Um, and, and I've watched this woman literally save people's lives. Uh, a phenomenal uh, person. I use the phrase, I think I've said it in this podcast a couple of times. I know in the book I've said it. Uh, one of the highest compliments I can give somebody is the compliment by calling them a force of nature. Angie Clowry is a force of nature, an incredible force of nature. Um, and I'm really grateful that our paths are crossing now. She works for one of Canada's biggest media companies. She is um, a mover and a shaker. But here's how I describe Angie Clower to people. When Barack Obama uh, was becoming uh, vying for the presidency of the United States, people asked about what his history was. And, and one of the things uh, I learned, it was at that point that I learned the phrase community organizer. What the hell is a community organizer? Um, now, since then, I've learned what it is. And... Uh, when I think about what Angie Clowry does, she is every bit as powerful as um, someone like that, someone who can bring people together, someone who can um, help solve problems and focus um, on, on the solution rather than the problem and to cut through the crap of uh, all the different types of crap and just move right to the issue. Um, Angie is a phenomenal, phenomenal community organizer. Um, and she has all sorts of stuff and we could probably have her on the podcast where I just pick her brain and she talks about things, but our paths have finally crossed. She called up Candy and I the other day and she said, okay, I'm seeing what's going on with you. Change it. I'm seeing what's happening. I'm seeing what's happening with you two. It's time that our worlds collide more. And, and to Candy and I, we'd kind of been waiting for that to happen. So Angie's going to really be a, a tool, an asset, but more so a family member of, of, of what he is doing and where we're going. And, uh, this podcast and, 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 and the app itself are about to get a whole bunch more eyeballs. And a big part of that is going to be because of the work of Angie Clowry. When she called me up, she said, I want to be on the podcast. And I said, all right, yeah, let's have you on. No problem. And then she goes, yeah, but I want to flip the script. I want to interview you. I was like, 
All right. So we've never really done that before, and I'm excited about it. Um, Angie, thank you for taking time out of your you've got a lot of spinning plates. I know we got spinning plates. You got spinning plates, too. Mm. And I'm I'm grateful that maybe some of those plates might be co-spinning plates that we can actually help each other with moving forward. Thank you for being you, first and foremost. You are someone that is a force of nature that has made the world a better place. Thank I don't you. know if you accept praise well. I totally do. I okay. live and love you do. it. Thank <laughs> Good, you. Because that's who you are. Thank you. Um, that's who you are to us. Uh, to so many people that we know, we are so grateful that Angie Clower is walking on the planet. So thank you for being here on HeCast today. Thank you. Well, thank you for answering the phone that day. I know I called you <laughs> and you were like, oh, I normally don't answer the phone because I have my granddaughter here and I'm playing with her, but I saw it was Angie Clower. I got it. And 100%. my thing was, is I was so impressed with your interview with both the Blomleys. Uh, and um, I said, I need to be your guys' best freaking friend. <laughs> I don't think I use the word frick, by the way. You didn't. Um, and you don't have to here either. Yeah, and I just love your guys's energy and your pause and your realness. Like I, I want to say you guys are so positive, but also when shit comes to shit, you guys say it and say we're not well, we need help. And I think that's what attracted me yeah. to you guys. And I know we got connected with Leash's show, The Real Deal, a few years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. That's where we yeah. kind of met. Yeah. We knew of each other because of Hockeyville. Yes. I'm super proud to be from Lumbee. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to ask you, like you are a force of nature and I, I accept all those great things you said about me, but projection, I think you have all of that in you. And so tell me what started your excitement and wanting to do this. Um, it's funny. Doing this is a really, that's a relative term because I mean, okay. Do have I always wanted to make the world a better place? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I ran for city council when I was 21 years old, yeah. uh, you know, knew nothing, just thought that'd yeah, be something we could have a 20 year old who cares about the community for their perspective. I didn't really know very much about, about stuff. So, so that part of it was, uh, has always kind of been there. Um, uh, I was a JC and as a JC, uh, you know, we had something called the 24 hour relay where they raised like $60,000 for the boys and girls club in one night in one 24 hour period. And, and I was uh, a part of that, the organization of that when I was in my early twenties. And, and so I've always wanted to give back. Um, I've always been a volunteer when it comes to, uh, you know, I love relational stuff. Um, I would help out with youth groups and things like that and a former church life. And, 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 um, so there's that part of it. Now, when you say, what about this, the broadcasting part, yeah, this is me. If, if, if I could go back and teach 18 year old Mike that was not taught to think big, was taught uh, the world is very small and, and, and don't shoot for your dreams because they're not realistic. If I could have gone back to 18 year old Mike and said, okay, that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, go do whatever you're going to do. I probably would have gone into broadcasting. I have, I have, um, <laughs> uh, I have a through line of who my favorite broadcasters are. The top of the heap though is David Letterman. I'm a gigantic David Letterman fan. Yeah. And, um, if you would have said to me at one point, Hey Mike, you actually have what's in it. What's in inside of you. You have what it takes to actually do something like that. Um, I, if I would have been able to wrap my head around it and believed it, I would have done it. The beautiful thing about this now, I mean, we talk about men in their forties, um, typically in their forties who, 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 uh, you know, they went and, out and they got the job and they got the wife and they got the kids and they got the life, the house and all that stuff. And they're unfulfilled because they just were connecting the dots. They were told to connect. Yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate enough that in my forties, as that has happened to me. I've also looked and said, okay, I need to find out what my purpose is. So many of these guys are coming to that question right now because the connecting the dots doesn't fill their soul and they're looking for what their purpose is. So for me, uh, I got a, I built up a pretty decent business in the financial world. Um, but at the end of the day, I love helping people and, and, and it's great. I mean, my, my greatest days in the financial business are not somebody got a great rate of return last year. It was somebody who, we put some life insurance on them and the worst has happened. And I've gone and handed that check over and helped them. Like I love helping people. Yeah. And I help people a lot in the financial world. Um, now I feel like I found my fucking purpose. Wow. This doing this, people are like, are you trained? Like I've got people who are trained in broadcasting for years and years and years asking me if I no, I've got, okay. I've probably got 10,000 hours of letterman under my belt, but yeah. And Mr. Rogers and Joe Rogan and Vince McMahon and Kevin Smith and and these different different broadcasters that are out there, um, I'm probably finding my own style on that, and I've just taken to it 
like a duck to water. So totally. depending on the your question, the giving part kind of always been there. I don't know why. I just love kindness. This broadcasting part is me with my purpose. Well, I think and when we give our gift to others, I think that's really what we're made for. Like, yeah. I, I truly believe that. And if you have a hard time finding your gift, volunteer, which you definitely do. Yeah. You mentioned that's been a big part of your former corporate life is yes. that you wanted yeah. to find ways to better the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with your wrestling stuff, it's so funny because I was like, what the hell is this guy doing with wrestling, wrestling, wrestling? And then I think, you know what? When I was young, that's all we, like, that was our thing. We wrestled in the pool. We yeah. were smacking each other down. Like we were like putting each other in headlocks and accidentally knocking a couple <laughs> of the guys out. But, and I was thought, wow, look at how passionate you are. And look at, I look in the walls here and the people that you've brought into town, like that is insane. Like you've brought some of your heroes to town. Well, and, and that's the funny part about it. Like it's funny, the wrestling thing, I wore the WrestleVille shirt today. I love it. Because this was the weekend of Hockeyville. It was. And we knew we were doing an event. And so, so the, we, we, we developed something called Invasion Championship Wrestling. So my financial business really kind of kicked off in about 2013. It was, it, it, I was building it off the side of my plate, working for, uh, uh, I've said it before, I worked for Costco Wholesale in the marketing department. Yeah. And um, in 2013 was when my life kind of went up, it leveled up a little bit. And uh, I always wanted, I love giving back. Now, most people in the financial business, when they give back, to the community, it's a golf tournament or a walk. And I've played in these tournaments, they're great. You win some prizes, woo, it's so fun. It's just not, it's just not me, but yeah. I knew I wanted to give back in a big way. And um, uh, my business partner, or my partner in Invasion Championship Wrestling, uh, he was the general manager of Costco at the time. And, and so he um, he said, well, have you ever thought about putting on a wrestling event? And I, I kind of looked at him, I said, well, what, give me the logistics of it. He goes, you run it just like a golf tournament. And, and we put a business model attached to it with everything from sponsors to all these sorts of things. He goes, we can put it in the black before one ticket is sold. We bring in a WWE star. Yeah. Those are the heroes part. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's that's kind of neat. Um, and it didn't feel like work because of that. And so we bring in a WWE star. We hire some guys uh, and gals from, you know, down in Vancouver, Pacific Northwest, Seattle. We got some local people here and we'll put on a heck of a wrestling show. And everyone laughed at us. Yeah. We called it Kelowna Invasion. Um, and 2012 was the first year. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no. 2013 was the first year. Pardon me. October 2013. And uh, everyone laughed at us. And we raised $10,000 for BC Children's Hospital in one night. Yeah. And that was like we didn't know anything. And by the time we had finished learning the lessons, we had uh, two shows per year, a Kelowna show and a Vernon show Friday night, Saturday night, twice a year, spring and fall. And we raised over a quarter million dollars for, um, for local charities. Wow. And, and, and it was a, a cool thing. And like you say, we brought in a whole bunch of people and gave a pile of people around us what they called experiences of a lifetime totally. meeting some of these, some of these guys and gals that we brought in, some of these wrestlers that we brought in. And uh, it just, it expands your vision. You know, when you can put smiles on people's faces like that, when you have people who are coming up to you, one gal, this one gal, I mentioned her in the book, actually, I talked about her. Um, when we were in Vancouver, uh, BC children's hospital with our, with our granddaughter, we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Um, she offered us a house in Vancouver and, 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 if it wasn't just a little too far away from the children's hospital, we would have taken her up on it. Like she offered us a house. I only knew her because she had brought her dad out to see one of our wrestling events. And there's a very famous wrestler that we had hired here. We brought him here twice. Actually, his name is Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, we, her dad was in a, uh, he was in a bad way health wise. Yeah. And so we, uh, we, we got a couple souvenirs from Mick made by Mick. We put him into a little shadow box and then, and then had a, a meet and greet experience with him. Wow. And, you know, she tells me a, a few months later, okay, that was his last happy moment. He died a couple months. Like, Ugh. like it was, it was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy smokes. But it's funny when you give for no other reason other than for no outcome, right? You're not hoping to get something back. You're not, you're hoping to do some good in the world, right? Yeah. Sometimes things come back. And and when we were in Vancouver, she messaged me and she said, Hey, look, my mom's away for the next six months, whatever you want this house, you can have it. It's yours. Wow. And that stuff always finds its way back. And I just love that about, I love that about giving. Totally. It, it's, 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 well, Letterman even says this, you know, Letterman, uh, he tortures himself and he talks about how, um, <laughs> he, he, he says, Oh, I did that show for my own pleasure or whatever. And yes, I know people liked it, 
but I'm being selfish too, because when I do things that people like, that makes me feel good. So it's yeah. all selfish, right? And and but that is so true. And and you must know that with what oh, you yeah. do. I mean, the, the the pleasure of giving, making a difference in someone's lives, whether you stop them from crying or you create moments where they're laughing, whatever that is, that's memories. good for the soul, right? It's memories, and that's when Hockeyville really happened. That was my thing. Is so you and I both have something in common. We don't have biological kids, but we have kids around us. And so I am a big proponent of making deadly memories. Uh And so I had one individual say, the community of Lumbee hasn't gotten together like this since the Royals Park. Or, and then before that, a lot of big things happened. Like this is a small days town. Very this is a small. Really small town. Like time, they got a hockey arena, but it's. We have 1,200 people. <laughs> yeah. It's grown a bit. So we're, I think, um, we're up past, I want to say 2,200 is the official total of Lumbee. But there's area D&E and also Lavington and Vernon. We're yeah. our community. We got a surrounding area in our valley. Yeah. But making memories for people. And like, that's what I remember. So I played hockey and I was the only girl on the hockey team a couple times. So I didn't get to change in the change room with the guys Mm -hmm. because I was a girl. So I was in the bathroom. So there's certain things like that. So when they wanted to make girls change rooms, I'm like, hell's bells, let's do it. Cause that bathroom is still the same, you know, flipping 40 years later when I was playing hockey. And so I think there's, Things like that. So one thing that was my dream growing up is I wanted to have a big event. I actually thought it'd be a country music concert. At the time, I loved Kenny Chesney. I wanted to bring Kenny <laughs> Chesney to Lumbee. But I thought, you know what? I'll bring in Hockeyville to Lumbee was bigger than Kenny Chesney. So I want to ask you, when you were young, yeah. did you have a dream of bringing people together or some sort of event like the Invasion Wrestling? Like, oh, did you kind question. of pre-plan that or have a small idea that grew big? No, um, I, I truly believe that my... Outlook on life. I, I was always, I had an imagination. Mm. I had an imagination that was second to none. I had to put my imagination up. I, I, did I have an imaginary friend? Yep. I had an imaginary friend that I talked to. My little brother is actually named after my imaginary friend. His name was Greg. Wild. Yeah. And, and, and Greg was my imaginary friend and he was kind of based sort of off Greg Brady. Cause I thought Greg Brady was cool as shit growing up. And, um, you know, but I was too young to know even that phrase. I just thought he was okay. He's, you know, um, and, and so that became my imaginary friend. So I, I, I dreamt, yes. And I understand um, the book, The Secret, because people would walk up to me. And I hadn't really started in personal development at that point. When the book, The Secret came out, I was just starting my personal development journey. But I would have people walk up with The Secret and say, here, you, you need to read this book. I was like, well, why? Because this is you. Yeah. You've met a bunch of your favorite rock stars. How did you do that? You've, 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 you've done some of these things. This is when I was like 19, 20 years old. Like, like I didn't understand it. Um, but then I got into personal development. And at that point there, I started realizing that dreams are so powerful. Yeah. Um, especially if you can start attaching uh, some, some workable um, opportunities to make those happen. Then they become goals and totally. goals can be achieved. I believe that almost any goal can be achieved. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, but I was taught growing up, to stifle that, emo- that, that, that imagination. Mm. Um, which I think a lot of us were yeah. very young. Hey, it's because yeah. our parents wanted us to be successful in their ways and they wanted us to have a better life, but they didn't want us to go, you know, kind of kooky off the, no. the side. They want us to be responsible. Well, that's the, that's the rub. Uh, therein lies the rub. I'm trying to put that into my vocabulary more. I love that. It's from Hamlet and it's, it's therein lies the problem. It's, it, it's, they want us to be safe. Yeah. But, they want Making us to your not dreams come true is not safe. It's, oh, yeah. it's taking chances. And it doesn't have to be chances where you're putting your house on the line. You know, although I've had to take a couple chances like that too. Like when we went down to Vancouver with our granddaughter, like we, 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 we've had those, those situations as well. But if you can get past the idea that you're not going to get past this, because yeah. you are, <laughs> chances are you are. Okay. If it's, if it's, if it's a health thing or whatever, that's one thing, or it's a mortality thing. That's one thing. But guess what? Chances are you're going to get past this chance you take if you fail. But the fear of failure is so extreme. And when you amplify it with parents, because parents, the last thing they want is their kids to fail. They want they want the best and the brightest and the most amazing things for their children. And, and, and they want, God bless their soul, they want their kids to have amazing results without necessarily having to go through some of the shit they went through. But that's where privilege comes from. That's where this yeah. ignorance comes from. That's in our in our nation right now, in our continent right now, in my opinion, because you've got 
a generation of people who haven't had to grind and haven't had to go through taking chances. And, and, and I think that taking the chances um, and then personal development has really helped me kind of expand my vision on things. It's I don't like, know if that makes sense. That totally. Make sense? It's, okay. it's like parents want their kids to fail safely and they don't want them to feel a lot of pain. Hence the term helicopter parent where yeah. they're, you know, and you have a sign right here that says fail better. Yeah. And I was like, isn't that brilliant? Because yeah. every time we've really had a, like a shit storm in our lives, yeah. there's A or B. You know, there's probably even more than that, but yep. there's two that we're willing to take and they're probably polar opposites to each other. Yeah. And I think when you left your corporate world, you were kind of like, you know, this served me well, yeah. but now I can give her. 100%. And so I'm assuming that personal development came with that, you know, your financial job. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. In 05, when I started my, uh, I started building my financial business on the side of my, my, my Costco job. Um, your real job. That's what I call it. My, my real fake job. job and my real job. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I think it's uh, Jim Rohn that says, you know, feed your family during the day, work on your fortune at night. Yeah. Your fortune is what you define. That's that purpose thing. Absolutely. That's that, that's that thing. You got to do some self-reflection and figure out what is it that I do want in, in, in this life. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I became an entrepreneur when I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. And, and I started building this thing and, and people were like, yeah, maybe you should read this book. There's a book called Think and Grow Rich. Maybe you should read that book. That book really changed some things for me. But I'll tell you, uh, there's one book called 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. Mm. And at the end of the day, this author, Steve Seibold or Seibold, um, he put together, uh, he got all these champions of the world, you know, and I'm not just talking athletic, I'm not just talking monetary or business or whatever, but just, just the cream of the crop in all sorts of these categories. And he looked at how they look at life. They bo it boiled it all down, found 177 complementary things and has a chapter, uh, a page and a half chapter on each one in the book. So for me, a gateway to personal development, I wasn't a reader. Oh, I can read a page and a half every day. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I don't remember which secret it was, but not far into the book, something clicked. And it's my entire life motto now. It's, it's how I literally, when I am, when, when, when strife and, 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 and anxiety and all of these things are assaulting me, cause I get assaulted by it too. I know you get assaulted by yeah. it too, even though you're a force of nature, you're, but real shit happens to you too. Oh yeah. Happens to me too. I go back to this one chapter in that book and, and, and is, um, the, the entire book is the average do this, the champions do this, or the wow. average think this, the champions do this. Um, that one was the average focus on the problem mm. champions focus on the solution. And then it's like a couple paragraphs of, if you can just, the moment you're a, become aware of a problem, if you can then switch over and say, instead of lamenting the problem and gossiping about the problem and bringing in support for the problem and doing all these things to just sit in the problem, flip. Okay. How do we solve it? accept the problem and move immediately into solution mode. And I looked at that and it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. That's I, I get that. It hit me in the face like a frying pan. Yeah. And at that point there, that was where my personal journey development journey really began. And I'm of a similar cloth. I think if I don't have a solution, it's really not a problem. Right. Because oh if God. I'm not, if yes. I'm not yes. progressively thinking like it, and you know, they use the, it's, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but there's a dog and it sits down at the front door and it howls every day. Every time it lays down and uh, the neighbor's like, why does your dog do this every day? Like, why is it just whining? It just, and he goes, well, there's a, a nail underneath that mat there. Every time he lays down, I guess it doesn't hurt enough for him to move. Ah, see, so it's really that. not hurting him enough to move. Yep. And so that's what I wanted to ask you. So we have these, you know, moments in our lives. Some are tremendously amazing and some are horrendously horrific. Yeah. What are each of those? Think of it for a second. What's the best thing that's happened in your life that's really skyrocketed you or changed your, where you were planning on and going in life? Okay. And then is there, is there the opposite too? Yeah. The what's the well? thing that happened that really changed your world? I'm going to start with that one. Sure. Uh, Cause it came to my mind and hopefully my subconscious pathways will do their thing in the background to think of the, the, the positive one. The negative one is when I went through my divorce. Um, I, I married a high, uh, my high school sweetheart. Um, you know, again, talk about the connecting the dots and, and, and I was, um, I want to be as respectful as, as, as I possibly can, but I was nowhere near prepared, um, that I needed to be, uh, to be a husband. It was almost playing house in, in that regard, because the moment any 
um, real life events started to hit, I was not prepared for it. Now I've since, I've since done a lot of learning and studying about men in our brains. Uh, well, I have to, it's pillow talk with my wife now because <laughs> <laughs> of what she's building here, her and her team are building here with, he changed it. But, um, men's brains in our twenties, um, are not fully cooked until near the end of our twenties. Yeah. Still developing. Right. And I'm with this girl that, that I've been with since, you know, teenage years. And we get married because we think it's a thing to do and all that stuff. And on paper, it makes sense. You know, she's getting a career. I can go get a career. Uh, we can we can have some amazing life experiences early on in life, which is different from our parents and that kind of thing. Like on paper, it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that with the brain not being done, um, I was throwing out a couple of chance dice, you know, and, 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 and so... Um, I came to a real rock bottom moment when I knew my marriage was over at that point. Cause by the time my brain did finish, I was a completely different person. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this. Okay. So, so I'll tell you the, the best part about that. Cause again, mm -hmm. I focus on the solution. Right? I was going to ask what's your biggest okay. takeaway from that's, that? That, that was my question. The, the greatest thing about it was, uh, the, when, once we got divorced and everything was figured out and we were fairly, we were fairly low maintenance when it came to that. Um, we didn't bring in lawyers and there wasn't, you know, a, a giant struggle or anything. We just got it done. She moved, uh, part-time, but like, oh, from my understanding, at least half of her year, uh, to a foreign country to Belize. Wow. Okay. And as soon as I found out that she did that, that was a massive eye-opening, um, experience for me where I could actually drop the bag of rocks. I was carrying, I was carrying a tremendous amount of guilt. Wow. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, the people in my church life kind of abandoned me because, uh, and, and I mean, that's, I've had people say that that's not just me lamenting and making up my own version of things. No, people have since apologized to me saying, Hey, we're sorry that we, we dropped took sides like or we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. But I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to even deal with that stuff back then. Cause I was, I was still a kid. Yeah. I was still a kid, but the moment, and I was carrying all this baggage around, but the moment I found out that my ex moved down there and was creating this beautiful life for herself, I immediately dropped the bag of rocks, not just because of the beautiful life, although I did want that for her because I felt a tremendous amount of guilt for the pain that, um, that the, the, the breakdown had caused. But the moment I'm a big personality. Yeah. Okay. The oh, really? Moment, no. <laughs> really? Exactly. <laughs> Takes one to no one. Um, the moment I found out she was down there, and that's what she was doing. I dropped all that bag of rocks because it's like, okay, she's doing, she's living her best life yeah. and doing the things that she wants to do. She never would have done that if she was married to me. Right. Because if she would have said, oh yeah, let's buy a place in Belize. I'd be like, eh, no, no, no. It's not my thing. Not my thing. She got a dog. I'm not a dog guy. She got a dog. Um, You're and, not and, a dog guy? I'm a cat guy. I know. Weird, oh my, right? How are we friends? I know. It's so <laughs> weird. Um, I appreciate them. But at the end of the day, I just, I was never brought up thing. with them. I didn't. Uh, yeah you know, she got a dog. I was like, okay, you are doing things that you wouldn't have done if you were with me. I am so fucking grateful yeah. that I didn't subject you to being with me, not being able to do the things that you wanted to do. And, and, and I had fears that maybe she would have been drowned out or whatever because of the big personality and because of these things. So that was a huge turning point right there. Wow. And, and being able to forgive myself, that was one of the first times that I can actually look back and go, okay, that might be the first time in my adult life that I actually forgave myself for something. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that was, that was that one, the po the positive one, something that happened in my life that I don't know, man, like, I think we talked a little bit about it earlier. Actually. Yeah. Which one? What do you think? I think your granddaughter's healing hundred uh, percent. Uh, yeah, that's, well, that's the beautiful thing, man. We, we don't stop learning. Right. As you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you pivoted, you, you, you have done a pivot in your life. You were a community organizer um, in that sense of the word when we talk about Hockeyville, right? Yeah. You are now a life changer, though, because you're dealing with people literally on the, some would say, the scourge of society. Yeah. You know, those people the who gutter. just don't, the, the, the people who live in the gutter, the people who are uh, abused, um, and, 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 and they uh, people who are system out, foster kids who are systemed out. Uh, to people who are, uh, you know, uh, in the throes of addiction, 
you know, I don't know if you've seen, I know we've done a lot, been doing a lot of catch up, but we've had a couple people from Mom Stop the Harm on here on this podcast. Oh, I, they're and, some of my favorite women. Well, I know, I know 100%. a couple of them. I actually had two of my friends both died um, from overdoses. And yeah, one of their mom, their mom is involved. So she's lost two boys and that's not the only one that's lost two. Is it an event like that that got you to kind of pivot and you're you're evolving like we're all evolving, right? Like, I mean, you know, certainly I'm evolving after when Alara got sick. No question. Mm -hmm. um, did was that one of the things that caused you to kind of shift and, and, and learn because you've learned these new skills you've learned? You know, I have to credit Lisa with a lot of that. Lisa Rettle. Um, so yeah. a number of years ago, her and I, it was like minus 18 and her and I are like, why are people sleeping outside? Like this is fucked. So her and I went down with her little camera and recorder and we asked like, why are you on the streets? And so this was kind of my introduction to it, I guess. And I've always had a heart for those that are kind of down and out. Yeah. I've always been a champion for kind of, you know, the the people that look like they're not going to make it. So Lisa and I interviewed these people and there was three people specifically, a couple that were there together and men are on one side, women are on the other. They can't sleep together. And, and she's like, I don't want to be alone without him. So I will sleep outside. And he's like, I'm not letting her sleep outside alone. I don't want to be inside without her. And you have to understand some of the oh shelter systems are just big dorm rooms and have like, you know, um, bunk beds. And so I was like, I get it. And then another person said, look, I'm an active addiction. I can't be locked up inside all the time. I have to go out and get another hit. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then another guy said, I have severe mental health issues. I have anxiety. I can't be around all these people burning and farting and sneezing and snoring at night. And so that just gave me a, you know, we always wow. say, yeah, go stay at the shelter. Go stay at the shelter. Yeah, yeah. Go and go and stay at the shelter, yo. Like that's my suggestion to you. And uh, so I think it was that Christmas I host international students and they had to get some hours done. So we went down on Christmas day and we washed the floor and we washed the showers of the shelter. And that really opened my eyes then. And then, um, when Kelowna, we were, we're not the only city to have this happen. Um, no. all of a sudden we had a tent city on Leon. They had to yep. move it. And at the time I disagreed with what officials were doing. So I went down there and just checked everything out and, Everyone's, you know, and I appreciate government agencies and all of our politicians and everyone who volunteers and don't. I appreciate that. The issue is, is it's like it's like with COVID. We are trying to fix the whole bunch of us. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of us that don't fit in that. Group. Absolutely. And so the same thing with homelessness. And so what. So I was quite boisterous. There was a crew of four of us and we got a whole bunch of people together and we got food trains and we got people donating like my cousin. And I'll never forget one of my coworkers that I really didn't get along with showed up and gave us blankets and coats and stuff. And I was so touched. Like, um, you know, we took a bunch of the, that clothing, we paid it on our own time and dime and yep. we went and cleaned them so we could donate them back to the shelter because all of the stuff that's on the street, it just goes in the garbage. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. a couple things like that, but anyway, so I want to switch this back to you because we're, you don't believe it. You can't tell by the stories I'm telling. Um, but I want to talk about how did the community coming together to yeah. be behind you and Candace and Alara, how did that change your life? Yeah. So the, 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 the long and the short of it, for those who haven't uh, read the book, Candy and I just wrote a book about um, our experience with our granddaughter. Um, and, you know, in, in Christmas Eve of 2019, we found out she had a tumor the size of my fist behind her tailbone. Um, suddenly going out to BC Children's Hospital, which is 400 miles away, 400 kilometers away uh, with our, with our, with our kids, uh, our older kids. And, and Candy and I dropped everything to be there the entire ordeal. And it turned out to be five months. Uh, success. Thank goodness we, 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 we beat that. But during that process, and if you read the book, I mean, we talk about how the community was behind us. I have always been community minded. Um, I've always given back in, in, in a lot of ways through events, through, through, through stuff that nobody knows about a, a lot of that stuff. I'm sure, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we give for the right reasons, give with a, with a joyful heart. Um, but I've never been in a position where I had to accept anything. Had to receive it. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll tell you, that was, a. Uh, there's two thoughts and I'm going to get real raw with you here. The first of course is gratefulness and that's far and away the greatest one is gratefulness. Gratefulness, I believe, is a silver bullet. And and I mean, while we were down there, um, there was a GoFundMe that was circulating for Alara. And, and, and Candy and I tried to keep our names off as much as stuff as possible. It was about 
it was about our, our Nico and Jess and their daughter and what was going through. We were a support system for them. Mm-hmm. That's what we were. But at the end of the day, you know, um, people found out it was, it was, it was our child. I'm not trying to sound arrogant here or whatever, but it, it, the GoFundMe was like 20 something thousand dollars. And as we were down there, especially the first week when we were thinking that it was like just a, a, a cyst that needed to be removed there was still a dangerous surgery, but we didn't know it was cancerous at the time and all that. Watching that GoFundMe go up was just, holy smokes, this actually works. Like we have given and given and given and given and given for all these years. My wife also, yeah. for, uh, my, as you know, my wife is also a force of nature. She's also given back. Her and I are twin. Uh, we're twins when it comes to that. We both believe giving back to a community makes it better. And if we're successful, we need to spread that some of that success into the community. Well, when you're on the other side of the coin, having done that for decades <laughs> and then to receive it for the first time is very humbling. It's uh yeah, the gratitude. The second thing though, and I'll this is where the more logical mind comes in, was like, well, I would hope so. Yeah. And and I, I that's where I'm getting raw right there because I don't want to sound like a like a dick in any way by saying that, but I it is a real emotion that was there. That was like, okay, we've given and given and given and given, and now we are down. We have been struck we're, down. We're desperate. We need someone to have our back. And, and holy shit, did the community ever have our back? Like, and that just leads to more gratitude. Um, but it makes me want to say to people, give back without any outcome because it happens, whether you call it karma, whether you call it energy, whether you call it, whatever you want to call it, that stuff comes back. Yeah. It, it, it really does. You can't convince me otherwise. And, uh, and, and, and that generosity um, that was given to our family while we were down there. Uh, well, you said it cause you followed our entire journey while we were down there. And, and, and mm-hmm. I mean, we, and I said this, I felt it. We yeah. felt it. We physically felt it. It was like a comfort. I can't hardly describe, um, what it was like. Some of those nights where we'd come back from the hospital and we were, our sponge was dry. Yeah. And, 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 and there'd be a note from somebody or something like the GoFundMe would do something, or there'd be a text message or there'd be an email or there'd be a, Hey, you're going to meet this person uh, who, who, who's going to, uh, you know, lead you to some piece of advice, whatever it was that would just put some water back in our sponge. Yeah. And that's what community, that's what we need to be for each other. That's what Candy's building with, with her team with, he changed it. Well, it's community. And I think this is a good part to talk about because I, we always connect in our most destitute, desperate times. Yes. So if someone passes or someone is sick, you know, we are bringing cinnamon buns and a casserole. You cut we through are, the bullshit. Right? Yeah. I might, yeah. and maybe I, I'm not okay with my emotions, but I'm going to drop off that lasagna and I'm going to say, hey, I got to go. Yeah. So we all get together because we love to give. But I think that's a really poignant point because you stopped yourself from getting into your emotion there. It's about being a good receiver. <laughs> and in my worldview, yeah. this is a real problem with men because men don't want to go. Well, women have a hard, easier time doing it, but men don't want to say, hey, you know what? I'm scared I'm losing my job. Yeah. I'm scared my granddaughter is going to maybe not make it. Yep. Crap, this is cancer. Yep. I don't want to see my wife in pain, my stepson, my daughter-in-law. And you, you're you talking about the safely part, right? We want our kids to fail safely. Now you got the worst fucking thing happening to you in this little, this yep. little child is just a couple years old. Absolutely. And so I think this is really poignant where we say it's so important for men to reach out and say, hey, I got your back. And yeah. sit with you in that shit. Like Brene Brown does that thing. Oh, where, I love it so much. <laughs> where, um, you know, a person gets down with you on that ladder and sits with you in that shit. And yep. I call it the shit. Yep. And I, when you start to cry there, I wanted to interrupt you, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, my story, and it's a tattoo I need to get, is beautiful people cry. Beautiful mm. people cry because we all cry. Yep. I love it when I cry because it swells up my eyes and I look 10 years younger because I don't <laughs> believe in Botox. So I'm all about the crying. But I think that we need to allow a safe space for men to show their emotion. And yes, yeah. anger is emotion and we can punch a wall and a yep. door and all that. But what we're hiding behind that anger is that little boy fear, that sadness, that rejection. And I think for you to say, man, I, I needed that. I didn't know how much I needed this. Oh. I needed my whole community. Yeah. And then think, man, I deserve it. Yeah. And that's the harder part. Um, 
as much as I tell myself as a guy who is, uh, you know, done a lot of personal development, read a lot of books and talked to a lot of people. And I have, um, sometimes, you know, the right answer, but you don't feel the right answer. You don't do the right answer. And I know what you just said is right. Like to say, I deserve this. I know I need to say that. I have a hard time saying it right now yeah. and we're in it right now. And I'm facing it right now. And I know it right now. And I still have a hard time saying I deserve it. Uh, here's another one that I have <clears throat> through my talks with men, um, uh, really found as a statement that men many times have a hard time taking and it's, I am enough. Yeah. And, 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 and that's one that uh, I've got a gratefulness journal that I write in. And, and when I write in it, uh, the one thing it gets you to do is an affirmation about yourself. And, and, um, I, I say a few things about myself that I'm not going to, uh, repeat here, but I end it by going, I am enough. Wow. I write that and I write it a lot because, um, I don't know what my heart of hearts and, mm. and many times it does take an exchange of some sort of where I am throwing out some vulnerability and I hear it from somebody or, or, you know, I really, really have to wrestle with it and think about it to know that I am enough. There's a lot of guys out there who don't feel like they're enough. I, I think it's, that's our, you know, we all have a childhood trauma and I think all of our childhood traumas create a feeling of less than not enough. Like that's, I, I don't know a person that does not have one. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the circumstances, the age, uh, you know, if our fathers were never in our lives, if they were taken from us, you know, we, I don't want to say we, we have a person that we cast responsibility on. Yes. And I think if we don't catch that with personal development or therapy or whatever your mode of healing is, um, some people believe in God, which I do, mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's hard to get past that, but you know, we were talking before about giving and I was thinking tithe at the same time. Yeah. Often I tithe into the community, not into my church, Absolutely. which, which I kind of get called out for now and again, and I'm good to get called out for that. Um, but I think <laughs> it's, it's about being a good receiver so I can donate. Yeah. I can volunteer my time. I can create a freaking wicked fundraiser. Yep. So what happens when that comes back to me? I know how good that feels. Oh yeah. I know how yeah. good that feels to create an event, to donate money, to help a person. Yeah. So it, it doesn't feel as good to receive. So isn't that funny? But if we don't receive, how the hell does anyone give? Yeah. Well, and th there's a good point too. There's a good point too. And that's, that's the, the that's what builds the bonds of community. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a bridge, that's the, those are the, those are the tension uh, loaded, loaded beams. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if we're using that example, like, like the idea of, so, cause there's always going to be someone who's down. So if we help that person and we create a community where that is happening, guess what? When you are the person that's down, it's going to happen. And that's where I, I have that hard time going. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Um, yeah. And, and it, and it works. And if you just are part of that, mm -hmm. I believe that leads to more fulfillment uh, to go back to, it's so funny. You talk about the, the idea of tithing. Um, I talk a little bit about this in the book, but uh, <laughs> I had a, a church life in my life and I, and I, and, and to me, religion and faith are two completely different things. Where I'm, when I'm in my sweet spot in life, harmony, vibration, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, when, I, when I'm in the zone, right? And I'm giving, it has nothing to do with quote unquote, a religious expectation or an expectation. It, it, there's no expectation at all. It's when I'm in the zone and I see somebody who needs and I just pull and, and like, that's just it. You just, it, you just instinctively go down that path and, and, and you give, um, that for me is the sweet spot. That for me is where my soul is getting enriched. Yes, there's something to be said for I'm I've I've said I'm going to commit to this project or whatever this is, church, whatever this thing is, and I'm going to give routinely. Yeah, great. That's one thing. And I'm not discounting it. But I am saying in my sweet spot, I love the faith side yeah. of things. And when it's just harmonious and I find out sometimes it comes back to you like I love giving for no reason whatsoever, not knowing an outcome, not knowing anything, not knowing how it turned out. Yeah. But every once in a while you hear about that. Hey, remember when you did this? No. Okay. I had a guy. Okay. I, there was a, a wrestler who was going through some really, really hard times and it was around the holiday season and he lost his job, whatever. I knew I had $300 in my pocket cash. I'm like, done. He goes, well, I'm going to get this back to you. I'm like, I don't want it back from you. Yeah. Okay. Three years later, Somebody came to me and said, hey, 
at some point you gave somebody this money. And I had forgotten about it, right? I'd forgotten about it completely. And uh, that's the other thing. If you're going to give, don't don't keep a record of it. Don't have attachment Just, to don't it. Don't have attachment to it, yeah. right? It's even better that way. So that person um, got back up on their feet. They got the 300 bucks back. They knew I didn't want it back. So they paid it forward and they gave money to this other person who had come back to me and said, hey, I just got really, really blessed and got out of a jam and it was all because of you. Stop it. Yeah. And so every once in a while, like again, no attachment, but every once in a while when it does come back, it kind of reignites that. It puts fuel back in the tank to go, okay, yeah, this is how the world works. You know, like give, give, give without any attachment. Let me ask you this. Have you ever given of yourself or financially when you really couldn't afford it, but you did it anyway and it came back and gave you. So, um, back then, uh, you know, this is when, uh, just before I got married, I was part of this church. And and when I was part of the church, I, I, like I, I was really involved. Sometimes I played guitar and sang on stage and sometimes I, I was part of the board and and all that stuff. And it was really a, at that time, it was a family to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a sermon. And I want to say that it was, I want to say that it's in the, in the book of Malachi. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about giving and it talks about, um, you know, if you're a, I I think it's, I don't want to mix it all together. But if you give with the right attitude and you and you give first and you and, and what your your cup will overflow with blessings that it, it, it so many that it overflows mm-hmm. that Sunday, um, I had um, only a little bit of money in my pocket for my bills. I just got paid and I had some money in my pocket for my bills. And that sermon was happening. And then they sent the collection plate around, which I was like, OK, I'm, I'm not a big fan of churches and collection plates. I understand how things work. But back then I was like totally indoctrinated and like, yeah, this is part of the culture. And in that moment, I was like, OK, I felt I felt moved. Mm-hmm. I felt moved. And it was like, OK. And this is the part that um, I always will have with me because say what you want to say about the Bible, but the wisdom that is, there is timeless, timeless, timeless wisdom in there. There are events that I believe take get taken out of context. I'm not a Bible thumper, uh, but there's a lot of beautiful wisdom mm-hmm. inspired. I would say divine wisdom. Absolutely. And we, it's our meathead brains that can't discern certain things. But this one part, the, the speaker, I don't know if this is true or not. The speaker said, this is the only place in the Bible where it gives you permission to test God. Mm-hmm. And it actually says, test me on this. Yeah. And so I was like, and a 19 year old kid. All right, fuck it. And I gave what was supposed to be for my bills yeah. out of my wallet and I gave it. Yeah. I didn't put my name on it uh, for a tax receipt. Wow. Didn't put it in an envelope. It was cash. It was a few hundred bucks or whatever. And I'm like, challenge accepted. Make me Here's a believer. The test. Here's the test. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so I... This is, this is true. I, I got home that day. Um, my parents never went to church or anything like that. And so I, you know, I got home and there was a, there was a, um, a message on the answering machine and it came through while I was at church. Okay. And it was the manager of Costco at the time I was just gotten on there, right? I was part-time, uh, limited hours, no guarantees on hours. Cause I was a seasonal and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be changing the steel in the building. And when Costco changed the steel, what they would do is two or three weeks worth of night shifts because changing the steel is a big deal when they would do that, when they had to move it and put new holes in the concrete and all that shit. And it was like a three week job because they were doing expansion on the building. And uh, and she said, OK, so we're going to need you for a month of. It was full time work, but it was also time and a half work because it was overnight and all this sort of stuff. And I it literally was on there it was going to be almost triple what I had made on my last paycheck. Wow. And I just like, I literally got home and hit play on the old school tape to tape (laughs) answering machine. And at that point I didn't need another reminder. Yeah. And I've never needed another reminder when it comes to giving since then. And I think so that's a part of mental health for me Mm -hmm. and having faith now. And I, when I had faith before I was a Christian and I, I always, I always say I'm a failing Christian cause I was not brought up in church. I yeah. was led there myself. I went through a lot of personal development and the secret before I believe in oh, Jesus. Oh, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And so I, 
I always say when I know that I know that I know, like I know. Yeah. You know, it to your core. And I, it might not be something I speak about. It's yeah. just a faith that I have. And yeah. I wanted to ask that because I think when we struggle with mental health or death is a big one, getting kids taken away, you know, yep. family splitting up, losing a job, all those things are horrendous to our body, mind, soul, and spirit. And so if we can have faith that things are going to get better, things will, and if things can't get better, I always have this motto, things are going to be different in three days. So I go by three, maybe it's three hours, maybe it's three days, three weeks, three months. That's my thing is things are going to be different. And then when I get out of that rut, oh, things are better. Yeah. And I think when you show that powerful faith and you drop all that money in that tithing plate, and then you come home to, you know, a full-time job that's going to pay you way more than you're making. Yeah. That's just knowing. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, um, through my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a complex fish when it comes to this stuff. Like people have asked me, are you a Christian? It's like, okay, well, that's a complicated answer. It's going to take you five minutes. It's going to take us a discussion for me to to answer that question to you. Um, because again, I think religion and faith are completely different things. They're Mm -hmm. just, they're two completely different things to me. And, and part of that is lessons that I learned that day that had nothing to do with the building I was in or who I was with at that point. It was the journey that I had and the understanding of how the universe works with me and, and, and how I do believe that, that there is something you call it divine, call it whatever. I do believe that there is something that is there that we're a part of and, 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 and we can interact with it and it'll interact back with us. Yeah. And many times religions, um, have arrows and, and and techniques and gateways and things like that puts to this kind of box. thing. But I'll tell it does put things in a box though. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I, I, I don't like, and I don't like the separation and I don't like the, um, the polarization that gets created from it. That being said that day taught me a lesson that I don't care how I identify myself when it comes from a faith perspective that taught me a lesson that, okay, no, you know what? There is something that has got my back, even when I don't feel like anything's got my back. Yeah. And, and when it comes to giving, like that's where I, I, you can't convince me otherwise, because I've seen too many examples of it all just working out, even when we just gave, when we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. That's that safety thing that you're talking about, right? Totally. Like I learned the, my most, the most lessons I've learned in my life are when I don't got the seatbelt on or when I'm, yeah. when I, when I'm, when I'm on the tightrope without a net. Those yeah. are the things that have taught me the the most, whether I've uh, succeeded or failed. And I think also a big part of it is giving. I would say it's giving to people that don't know me and they can't say thank you. That's oh, when yeah. my best work is done. Yeah. You know, it's nice to get a pat on the back because you held invasion wrestling or a hockeyville sure. or a wrestleville. Oh, yeah. But it's Great real, it's really cool <laughs> to do something that nobody knows anything about. Oh, that's the best. That's the best. And and I, I even almost hate when it comes out because sometimes, you know, through the, the, the course of the day with candy. Oh, do you still have this or whatever? No, I don't have that. Why don't you have that? Well, I met this guy who was, <laughs> you know, doing this. And I don't want to bring on any situations or whatever. And, and this is how it worked out. And my wife, to her credit, um, has really learned to put up with that about put up with that with me. Yeah. Um, Candy, you know, at first she did not know what to make of it because I just have such, I have such belief that everything is going to work out and work out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Even though there are times where it's anything but. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was something that she really learned to put up with was the fact that randomly, oh yeah, that's just Mike. He's going to go and he's just going to go and do that because yeah. he feels, he feels that itch Inspired. or he feels that nudge or that push. And anytime I feel that push, and I would recommend to anybody who's listening, if ever you feel, even if you call it your conscience, whatever it is, if something in that that voice is telling you to do the right thing, or do something kind, or, or do something, something good, scary, bad something, scary. something scary too. But 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 this is like if you're feeling that nudge in a certain situation, walk through that door, um, and don't worry about what's going to happen. But it's going to work out well. If 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 you get that. If you just get that nudge, if you ever you feel that, some people call it their conscience, whatever it is, but listen to that. In my experience, really good things happen because of it. And I think so when we steer this back to mental health, that's an yeah. area when we get sad, depressed, we shut everything out. Yep. So we aren't willing to help others because we're so involved in our own self. And a girlfriend taught me this a couple of years ago. She was having some struggles with her son and I was having struggles in my own life. 
And she said, why didn't you tell me? And I said, I didn't want to lay any more on you. She goes, it would have distracted me from the shit I was going through. I wrote about that in the book. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, like when Candy came up with this idea of he changed it, like (laughs) tell me how that went and how you were like the podcaster of it. Uh, Well, okay. So I was in my office. Uh, It was about two in the morning and I've got, you know, I've got lots of spinning plates and stuff too. So I was working on um, a business that I was a part of. Uh, at that time. And I was, it was trying to figure some stuff out. And I mean, it wasn't going well. And, and, and uh, the odd thing, the odd thing is, is the people who are actually involved in he were actually involved that night. I was going through some things and trying to figure out what to do if people need to be laid off or whatever was in a management position. And it was, and it was, and it was really eating at me. And my wife had gone through a period where she had been left to uh, in a place of what's next, you know, kind of buttoned up her previous thing that she was doing, uh, which was also a community uh, project, but it just, it didn't sing to her anymore and, and, and it needed to end. And so she didn't know what she was going to do. And it was two in the morning and I'm sitting there typing on my computer, trying to figure out this puzzle. And she walked in and she goes, I've got it. And I looked at her and said, what? She goes, she changed it. He changed it. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I'm going to rectify the me too situation. That was what she said to me that night, two in the morning. And she had come out of bed like she. Had, wow. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, she goes, me too was great because it created awareness. But there's a whole lot of now what next. Absolutely. And there's toxic stuff and there's good stuff. And she goes, men. And this is right around the time where cancel culture was starting and, 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 and men were losing jobs and things like that from things that they had done 20 years ago living in that climate, you know, again, I'm not excusing anything, but at the end of the day, <laughs> intention's a huge thing. And, 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 and so this stuff was happening and we were wrestling with these things. And I mean, I don't know about you, but when, when, when on social media, when me too happened and I started seeing all these women, I got a lot of women in my life always yeah. have I've friends in high school. I was so many friends with so many women, uh, young women and girls at the time. And I mean, as I saw people that I was like, what the fuck saying with the me too's, you, you too, you too. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And as a and man. And also men too. There was a number 100%, of men. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, the first guest on our first, very first podcast we did was a buddy of mine who had been molested by a male babysitter of his yeah. when he was seven or eight years old, you know? And, and it's, um, so she came in the bedroom and she talked about that and we, we, we kind of batted it back and forth a little bit. I'm like, write this stuff down. She goes, I am writing it down. But she had the name immediately. She changed it and he changed it. Mm-hmm. And and both are bubbling. And there's a whole thing of we changed it that are probably going to link the two. And mm-hmm. not to not to come up with any spoilers or anything like that. But <laughs> but there's a huge roadmap with what is being built here. And um, my reaction was I want to be a part of it mm-hmm. first and foremost. No, my first reaction is I support you. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I want Candy to be able to do whatever she wants to do in her life. Again, taking away that lesson from my divorce. Yeah. Uh, I, I want her to be able to live the life that she wants to live um, while being tethered to me. <laughs> um, I, uh, but then it was, I support you. I want you to do this. Um, however I can help, I want to help. And then as this thing started to build out, well, yeah, I've always want, I've always wanted a podcast ever since the medium started. I'm like, oh, this is a way that I could maybe do a little bit of that Letterman stuff. And you had one before, cause I watched it. We did, yeah, me and, and, and one of the wrestlers, uh, Colin Cutler had the World of Grey and that was yeah. really, really good, a lot of fun. We actually were starting to get a following on that too and then life kind of changed for both of us. But but yeah, yeah like he casts, um, yeah, I, I, it feels like every time I do this, I feel like I'm doing what I was built to do. Wow. Every single time, like it doesn't, and, and you know, I've, I've started doing, um, other things because of it. Uh, I've, I've tried stand up now a few times and yeah. I've been doing other, other little things to get out of my comfort zone to help accentuate this. And this hasn't paid me a dime by the way, yeah. <laughs> nothing, but guess what? It has paid me in full in being able to, to feel that sense of accomplishment. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. He being able to even say, yeah, I got a podcast. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. And also the fulfillment of actually doing it. Yeah. Doing this with you today is one of the highlights of my week mm-hmm. and will stay that way and will actually empower me. And I believe when we are doing whatever that purpose is, yeah, that thing that drives us has nothing to do with our income, has nothing to do with 
it, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, it will do that for you. It will give you more energy than take it away. Like I can't, I can't articulate it well enough. I call um, it being in the flow. So when I'm in the flow, yep. then like, you know, I, I watched that one podcast and I had to call you right away. I and love I'm that. Like, we oh need to God. be, I'm like, I need to be on your podcast. I'm interviewing you <laughs> and I need to be best friends with you and your wife. Yeah, man. And I think it just, when you have that energy and you have that inspiration and, um, in my, in my casual work with, and also volunteer work with those on the street, that's, you know, mental health is a big thing. And that's, you know, that there's two, a couple of things that have people on the street. Mental health is a top one. We aren't, you know, I, I say this in jest and, but also many politicians are listening, like who's the <laughs> asshat who took your eyeglasses, your teeth and your mental health out of healthcare. Right. Exactly. Like, where do I find them? Exactly. Was it a, just a normal GP that decided that and right. put that in? Like that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, Those are expenses we can cut. They're not essential. But my mental health is not essential. My, eye, my glasses. Hello. My teeth. Well, my teeth are, I think we take it a little too seriously in this Western culture <laughs> teeth, but um, that's one thing that, I, that really gets me. And, you know, also brain injury is a big one. Oh yeah. You know, brain injury and mental health are totally linked, you know, the foster care system, that's yep. one. And also our indigenous friends there's a ton of them on the street yes it's all these moving parts that 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 are gears in a watch and you take out a couple of those gears guess what the rest of the watch is not gonna work and you know what it's successful people it's you know people on the poverty line it's you know friends i you know i've known 14 people that have I have served or been of service to on the street. 14 people. And granted, I yes, I know a fair amount of people. Yeah. But that's hard because then, you know, you know, we pretend we don't judge in this society. Going back to being, I, I always call myself a failing Christian because I judge people. I swear. <laughs> I occasionally take the Lord's name in vain. I'm just a failing <laughs> Christian, but that's how we're made and how we're supposed to be. Yeah. But it's hard to not judge people when you know their family or, you know, their friends or how they ended up on the street. Or all of a sudden you, it's someone's relative that you've, you know, like it's, it's everyone. Especially if they the lie street. to you or they steal to you, steal from you or anything like that. It's really hard, really easy to become hardened. Yeah. Or if you think your kids might be in danger or if you, whatever, really, really easy to build those walls where there's no compassion whatsoever. But every single one of those people that you talk about, and this is, this is almost becoming a cliche thing. Rogan's saying it all the time, like these people, but I don't care that it's a cliche because it's so true. Every single one of those people was a baby at one point. Oh yeah. They were a baby. Maybe they were loved. Maybe they weren't loved right from the get go. Maybe they were spoiled as hell. But like my 18 month old granddaughter, she is, she's the light of my life. She has absolutely taught me um, so much just her existing. And we have a bond that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, every single one of those people, maybe they stole from you. Maybe they lied to you. Maybe they, maybe they hurt you. Right. Every single one of those people was like a Lara mm -hmm. at one point. And, and sometimes people can make a connection to compassion by putting those two things together. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so I think it's worth saying here, even though it is sort of cliche that people are saying it out nowadays, but I, I, I truly think about it. You know, the next time somebody annoys you because of their, because their uh, homelessness or their addiction or their mental health issue has gotten in your way for a moment. Yeah. Try and find that empathy. Think about that person as a baby. What brought them to this point? What series of dots created that? And I mean, at the end of the day, compassion is, yeah, we, we need to have more compassion. And I think I've said this earlier, but in our Western culture, we just fire things. We're very disposable, not only with our plungers, which I complain about all the time yeah. because they come from China, they cost $3 yep. and they don't last three months. Yep. Got to buy more expensive one that's bought, made in North America. Yep. But we also throw out people, yep. jobs, cars. We have a very disposable culture. Uh, and if you go to Asian cultures, you know, in India, they don't throw people out when they're an alcoholic. You don't throw your family member out if you're from China or Japan either. You 
come around them. And, you know, there's this amazing meme, and I honestly don't know if it's true or not about, you know, when a child is born in some um, areas of Africa, they sing a song to them. It's their song and they sing it the whole entire time, you know? So when they become a man or a woman, they sing, the whole community comes out and they sing the song to them. So when they get in trouble, they do the same thing. They put this child or adult or whoever in the center (laughs) and everyone sings this song back into them. And I just think we're the opposite of that. And I hope that's my hope for He Changed It is that we're going to have a group of, you know, anonymous people. I fucking love you're saying we, by the way. I'm so, like you saying we when you just said that. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. I'm so glad that you're a part of this. I I think... (laughs) You know, we are going to go and we're going to sing these people's songs back into them so they know their love. They are worthy. They are respected. They they can make change. You know, um, we we don't need to pull them. When people are ready, they blossom. And it's just about creating that environment. Yes. You know, um, we... We're only as sick as our secrets. That's one thing I say. We're only mm. as weak as our, our, we're only as broke as our weakest link. I think that's how you say yep. it. But, you know, when we rise up and we help those people that are in the gutter or, you know, are struggling, man, we, we help everyone. You know, if, <sighs> if we can fix homelessness, what is everyone going to complain about downtown? Yeah. You know, so it's mental health. It is addiction, Yep. you know, but there's, there's a lot of layers and everyone is different. Well, we're going to. Time gets slippery with these things, and so we're going to have to end it. We're, we're a little longer, but um, first and foremost, I'm glad you are a part of the Change It family. Mm-hmm. I'm so Me fucking too. glad. I'm honored. Um, well, we're, we're just really, really excited about this. Uh, second off, we're going to do a part two of this. Okay, where I'm going to then take the interview reins back, and I'm going to talk to you because you have all these practical, um, very, very practical thoughts on dealing with people like you know you know what to do if somebody has suddenly become homeless yeah you know what to do if somebody is in the in the in the in the dredges of of addiction and they want to get out of it you know what to do with these things and i want to pick your brain about that i want to get that out there for our our listeners and viewers and make that happen so can i can i get you to promise you will come back oh, and we'll 100%, do it i'll promise okay. but i just want to correct something yes i often i don't know what to do but i just try the hell out of everything okay and trying is lying so i make my my best effort if i don't know yeah i find someone that does and i think that's where my passion is at is people don't want to stay there no one wants to be homeless no one wants to be addicted to anything no one wants to be alone right so if it, and I'm like, hey, my my. If you ask a bunch of people on the street, do you want detox or treatment? Nope. I just walk away. I don't sit there and beg and pull and plead. No. But yeah, if if people have questions about addiction, I'm happy to lead them in a direction. First off, let's just put it this in there. Talk to your doctor. Yeah. Even if it's a family member. Yep. IHA has some great. Um, you know, counseling that you can do outside or like in your own home, start there, talk about it now. Don't wait till later. Anyway. Sorry. Well, no, and this is what we're all about is talking about yeah. this stuff. So, so we'll come back and I can, we can go and go down that path real, real good. Okay. Absolutely. Prom- okay, good. Um, that was a little bit longer. I'm sorry for that. I uh, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I'm really grateful that it went the way it did. Thank you very, very much uh, for everybody indulging and in listening to me a little bit about me and talking about my journey and all that stuff. So Thank you for that. Um, thank you for everything that you're doing to build this community. Uh, it is, we're changing people's lives in a, in a really positive way. That's what He Changed It is all about. Once again, go to hechangeit.com if you need any information. Download the app. Um, share it with your you. friends. Share it with your friends. And the podcast too. Uh, please share it. Please subscribe so the He Changed It overlords uh, don't come down on me. We get a, the analytics are important. So we need subscri- subscriptions to the podcast, wherever you're viewing us, whether it's on the apples or the, or the Spotify's or another one or YouTube, we would love a subscription. We would love a share as well. Uh, we're going to change the world. Why don't you come be a part of it with us? My name is Mike Chisholm. I am the host of HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. Go change something.